here we are with Dominic Caddy and Louis Muldowney. What do I want to say? Yeah, Muldowney, yeah. Close enough. You know who we are. Here we are. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. <laughs> How are we finding lockdown? How's training going? Yeah, ain't too bad, to be honest, thanks. Um, training twice a day still. Um, trying to do my runs and sprints and all that. But it's hard without a gym, to be honest. Um, but I'm just can't wait to get back in the ring. What are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, no, that's the problem. So me and Louis, uh, we train at the same gym. We only started last week in terms of a couple of us from the gym meeting with the coach and doing like distant circuits and stuff like that. But the thing with Louis is he'll say, oh, now's the time to get back in shape. Like him out of shape is better than most people in shape. <laughs> like he's, and he eats, you know, he likes to eat as well, but he's just so, when he's on, he's on it. So, like, with your training and stuff, do you ever, like, peak for a fight as such? Or is it, like, same sort of fight camp intensity, like, all year round, pretty much? Yeah, um, well, when I was in the championships, that's when I put my body through, like, the most hell. Like, I, my, I put my body through so much pain every single day, like, training. Uh, I'd have a pit, I'd train seven, seven times, six times a week. Then I'd have a PT Tuesday and Thursday, strength and conditioning. But I was training very, very hard for that. And that's probably the hardest I trained for a fight uh, during the Nationals. So when it comes to these kind of like big events and these kind of I don't know like championships and stuff how do you find I don't know the preparation side of it like do you try and push yourself that bit harder do you try and hold it back so you can you know get more out of the sessions how do you find I don't know yeah. that sort of well, well when I was in the championships had just gone um, last year I had to make a lot, I had to cut a lot of weight. So I was on holiday actually, and I come off holiday like 68 kilos, and I had to get down to 63. And my mum and dad didn't think I was going to make it. I had a little bet with them and things like that. But then I, I made the weight eventually. Uh, it was really hard though. I did find it hard to make the weight, but I made the weight. Um, I was struggling at the start. Then, but as I kept on fighting the championships, it got easier to lose because I maintained my weight better. But it weren't too bad. But I did find it really hard. Let's talk about that weight cut then. What? How come you got that big in the first place? What are we talking about? Well, no, what, so what, was the, what was the situation on the holiday? What was it? The beers? Was, it was you know. probably Let me jump in on that. No, dude, let me jump in on that quickly. So you know how usually when people go, they'll like maybe tell a little fib to their coach and go, oh, I'm not, my weight's doing all right. I did all right on holiday. Yeah. He was on holiday with his coach and he was still doing it. Yeah. I couldn't he get was like, yeah, I'm eating pineapple every day. <laughs> all the the families were weird, like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. It was hard, it was all-inclusive, so I wanted to go enjoy myself, but I was eating, like, at the start, I was eating waffles every day, like, for breakfast, and eating as much as I can, and the last three, four days, I started cutting down, but it was very hard. Now, how are you cutting the weight, though? What was your sort of process of doing it? Because, like, is it day before, same day weigh-in? Do you waterload in? What's your sort of thing? Well, I would just I'd, uh, cut my food first and cut as much weight as I could through that, um, eating less calories and training like with sauna suits on and bin bags like to get all the water weight out of me. Then the day before, I'd go for a long, like a very long run, like maybe six, seven miles with a sauna suit on. Then I wouldn't eat or drink after I'd done that run until I get weighed in in the following day. That sounds absolutely wonderful. What about your yeah. hydration on the day and stuff? Have you got like a certain sort of plan with that kind of thing? Do you have like a nutritionist or anything that helps you with that side of things? Uh, not really. I go with Dom C at some weigh-ins. I did look quite bad. I had, I had to box three times in six days, which was really hard. And the last fight I had, I felt I didn't feel too good at all. Just through like the weight cutting and like how many times I was fighting. But I just drink like drink and eat as much as possible. Like not to make myself feel sick, but to get myself like um, to have more energy before I boxed. 
well this is kind of it though no, pineapple didn't come to your rescue at that point so <laughs> with that side of things it's so you'd be so careful when it comes to cutting weight and rehydrating properly as well especially when you're fighting that often as well so talk me through like fighting that frequently like obviously because you get the adrenaline dumps and you know after a yeah. big fight you're gonna feel sore for ages and the rest of it how do you prepare for that kind of back-to-back kind of fights and stuff well before that i had boxed uh two i boxed twice in two days so i boxed one day then i boxed the following day so i, was, I got like, a little bit used to it but it was it was just more mentally i think like my body was very achy and i was boxing like the best boys in the country as well so i knew i had to be on my game like each time which made me prepare i think it made me prepare better but um i was just i was still training very hard i was still training very very hard for it um but no yeah it was very very tough really tough and you got to think as well for amateur boxing like it's still same day weighing so like you dan you know you fight amateur mma obviously mma is a lot newer but for you is weighing the day before to fight still day before yeah so we do quite a lot in water like my last week cut, I think it was 73 on the no, 72 on the Thursday. I had to be 66 on the Friday, so that was all, all um water. And I'm six foot two. I don't carry it well. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm lanky. So, the MMA being such a newer sport, and um, you know, I think they've got it down to a T in terms of even the pros. But like I say, all of MMA, they've made it their own. They say you can weigh in the day before the fight with amateur boxing. It's still same day, and it is a hard thing to pull. Well, one thing I've noticed with um, boxing as well, opposed to other martial arts, is the kind of willingness to change as such. Because boxing fans are very much, you know, boxing is how it is. You're not going to change it for anything. Always this, that, and the other. And it gets quite yeah. tricky when it comes to this sort of thing. Like, regards to weight categories, how do you find the one you're fighting at now? Would you like to ever float around different ones as such? Would you consider it that much? Well, I've had to go up a weight class because I was boxing at under 63 kilos. And I tried to make it for the junior ABAs, but I couldn't get down. I like physically couldn't get down to the weight. I was so skinny and I'd lost so much weight. I got down to like 63.4. So I was really close to making it. But I thought there's no point like cutting that much weight because I had to fight on the same day and I'd be too tired. Then I didn't think it was worth it. So now I'm boxing at under 66 kilos. But the only thing about boxing at this weight class is the boys come down from like 69, 70 kilos to box at this weight. So they're a lot bigger than me because I'm at the bottom of the weight, uh, the weight class. I mean, the whole thing with um, weight cutting is the whole point of diminishing returns. If you cut too much weight, you sort of lose that power, lose that speed, lose that sort of sharpness. Mm-hmm. So it's not always the end of the world not making this weight. But let's talk, turn the clock back a bit. So obviously, is it, you're still, are you still at school? Are you just finishing up? Yeah, I've just finished now because this whole corona situation, I've finished now, so I haven't had to do my GCSEs, which is very lucky. <laughs> I think I can smile at your face as well. <laughs> so talk me through starting boxing whilst going through school and taking it this seriously. So like... How old were you when you actually started? I, I started really young. Like I started at like four or five, but I didn't actually start boxing then. I've done a couple of sessions and I done it with my little brother. Then I was more like playing football. I loved football. And I was always it was always football and boxing for until I think it was until about last year. Then I picked boxing over football. Um, but I've only been I think I was boxing for about two years, but I've been boxing competitively for like a year and a half, almost two years now. I was going to say, because first of all, it's a little side, that's how Brad Pickett got started, so we'll see you in MMA soon, so there we are, see you soon. Yeah. Um, also, fair play, like, <laughs> that kind of consistency, because like, even on this, like, you're coming across very confident, you know, he's all experienced, but you're bloody hell, I wasn't confident at 16, I was still mumbling and stuttering with my fringe noise, <laughs> so here, he's all grown up, here we are. But, um, <laughs> but Louis, though, he's had to, he was a, a high-level footballer as well, and 
he's had his, his whole family like if you meet them all down they're a, they're a competitive bunch like his older brother jamie was a footballer his younger brother was a footballer their cousins are all like you know their pts and they're just everyone is really competitive so i think in the mold downy family you've got to be a bit of an alpha yeah definitely <laughs> before we um carry on and take off that hat i want to see the quarantine trim Oh, it ain't too bad. It ain't too bad. Mom's a hairdresser, mate. He's, he's handy. Oh, that doesn't count. That's no fun. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. I thought I'd bet, though. I couldn't be bothered to style it, so that's why I whacked the hat on. Oh, <laughs> he's got lucky. one. He's all right. Lucky. Oh, that's my fucking horrible haircut. I'd have to, you know, I'd wear a hat, but, you know. Don't, don't look too music. bad. That's why he's trying to sweep me up. He is. But it's audio only, it's all right. You feel like more like an MMA fighter now, mate. Something like that. Um, <laughs> So talk me through like weight cutting when you're at school and stuff. Still, like you, your mates are like all take the piss and try and like you know pack lunches yeah. in your face and stuff. What's going on? Yeah. You... I'd, go to, I'd go to school. My best mate would try to tease me with chocolate bars every day. Um, oh, it was horrible. Like the thing is though, I couldn't really. There was nothing at school that I could eat that was like healthy. So I always had to take like a packed lunch, but it weren't really a packed lunch. I'd take a protein bar. I'd have a grenade protein bar in the morning. Then at lunch, I'd have like a, a just a little tray of chicken, just chicken. Then I'd go home, sleep, because I was so tired with no energy. Then I'd train and have a small dinner. And that was it until until I'd fight, really. I'll have a word with um, Jamie Oliver and get that sorted. Make sure they've got yeah. options for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get rid of all the junk food and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so when it comes to your sort of competitions and the rest of it, because obviously the rest of your family being quite active in like competing to sort of high levels, mm. how do you find, I don't know, having your opportunity to obviously make your own statement in the Maldani household, but also, you know, just compete holding yourself to that standard do you manage to separate at all do you find a lot of pressure in yourself in that side of things not really um they're all very supportive which is a good thing and i get a lot of support with my fights as well i get quite a few people coming to watch so it's, it is good but they are supportive but to be honest i don't i didn't i don't really get like uh, nervous or when i'm under pressure to be honest like i thrive upon it because i love it like when there's more people like the more people the better for me like it doesn't bother me if i'm boxing a boy who's had a lot loads more fights than me or anything like that I'll just go in there and do the business. Well, this is it. you got to love it. you got to embrace that kind of, like, moment as well. And yeah, yeah. side note for anyone listening, the hardest part of fighting is selling tickets. I don't care what anyone else says. <laughs> selling yeah. tickets, weight cutting, then the fight itself. Other than that, we're all good. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to your fights and your sort of progression and stuff, how do you come into it, Dom, regards of, like, your projection? Do you plan on doing specific fights with specific people? Is it getting to tournaments? Is it getting, I don't know, in separate promotions? What's the... But the nine. So that's pathway. all. So for all that really is, we leave it down to to our coach Ross, who is who's been Louis's coach since the start, and um, he just knows. He knows what um, Louis wants because he's he's had the luck of, like I say, Ross and Louis's dad have been good mates. They grew up as next door neighbours, so he's known Louis since he was so little. He just knows Louis inside and out. Um, so obviously. And Louis made that promise to him. I remember Ross saying that Louis made a promise yeah. that he was going to be the first national champion for Ross, and he was. And so, you know, for that, it's really leave it to him. Where I come in is more of like the sponsorship side of it. You know, people always in for the next big thing in whatever sport it is. So for me to work with Louis as uh, not just like a, a management as as a mate as well. It's um, it's really good to do that as a teammate. So the next stage was going to be the MTK Cup which it still will be, but obviously that was going to be... What date was that going to be, though? Um, I think they've moved it to September now, but it was supposed to be in, like, April, Easter, or something like that it was, originally. Yeah, and the MTK Cup is kind of like... 
you know, everyone from all up and down the country. Because obviously, in the amateur game, it, it's split up into we've got Southern Nationals, we've got the you know, Southern Championship, and it all kind of breaks up like that. And then obviously, you get the national overall. But for the MTK, I don't know, there's a little bit more grip to it, I'd say. I think with England boxing, because obviously, you've got people in the under England boxing, people under the alliance, so you can, sometimes you can never face them. With MTK, it's kind of like the everyone best of the best is try it out and it's a, it's a tough gig and uh, Louis already know who he, who he would have been facing but it was very very uh, it's, it was going to be an interesting time I think it still will be in September it's just obviously at the time coming off we had our Odyssey home show which is the annual home show and you know I'll send you some clips of that that Dan it was absolutely you know filled to the brim it was insane it was, it was at capacity you know definitely wasn't over capacity and um and you know when Louis came on, it was like a start. We had Lawrence and Cody there. It was just, it was just such a great atmosphere. And um, and going, you know, going on to the next one, it was just going to be a, a sort of like the MTK was going to be the follow-on. So, but all of that's down to Ross. He knows what to do, and uh, Louis just listened to him and basically go from there. When it comes to these like variety of opponents, obviously with amateur fights, normally get quite a lot. You get, you get people with crazy amounts of fights. How yeah. um, specific is your? Like training and stuff do you do a lot of like research or is it a case of you figure out when you're in there like work on ways of reading people how do you i don't know plan your fights as such um so ross would ross would uh, sometimes tell me the truth he would always tell me the truth like about the boys records or something like that like a few times he's told me their records weren't as good as it actually was but uh, to make me train harder i think it was as well like so i don't get that do you know what i mean too confident mm. but um i used the first round to go in there and see what they're like I, I just put them a bit under pressure. I just see what they're like. Do you know what I mean? Like see how they uh, box and things like that. See like about any openings. Then second and third, I just try to put it on them. Then look for openings as well. And I'm more of a counter puncher to be honest. But but this is it. It gets quite tricky because if you go so specific, especially with pullouts and the rest of it, it gets so exhausted and all the rest. Of it. Yeah. With um your plan, is it sort of more of a like if you take like Jordan Reynolds for example, obviously going Team GB and that kind of route. And then mm. going professional like fairly recently, is that something you're looking to do, or is it a case of get to pro as soon as you're ready and then go from there onwards? I would like to get on the GB team. Obviously, it is a very hard thing to do because there's obviously a lot of boys. My, my weight category is quite popular as well, um, but I've only been boxing for two years, as I said. And it's like some of the boys uh, who I've boxed already have been boxing since like five, six years old. So, and I've beat them. So I know I'm like, I know I'm doing all right. I'm doing the right thing. But I would like to get on the GB squad, then uh, hopefully go pro. But if not, just turn pro as soon as possible, to be honest, and hopefully get signed by someone decent. Well, this is it. That kind of consistency, that kind of work rate is sort of, you know, <laughs> it's a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah. With, um, outside of boxing, how do you find not burning out as such? Because obviously if you're at school full-time, you're training full-time outside of that, <laughs> and then you compete on the weekends, like how much time do you have time to, like, you know, recharge and, you know, be a 16-year-old? Rarely, it was rarely. I miss so many parties. I miss so many parties and gatherings and things like that um, because of the boxing. It's, it's, to be honest, it's paid off. It's definitely paid off. Obviously, me winning the championships and it was all worth it. I'd do it all again to like become national champion. But I did miss so many opportunities. And I used to, I used to sit at home and I'd be so bored and like all my mates would be out partying. I'd see it on Snapchat, Instagram, and I just wish I was there. But it's all paid off. Inside in a park or something like that, the most sixteen-year-olds do, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> It was, but it was so boring though sitting at home i just got fed up then i'd go out now and then and see my friends but obviously i wouldn't be able to like do what a normal 16 year old was able to do very well worded <laughs> yeah
in case anyone's listening. Not, do- yeah. not dropping anyone in as well. That was in case your friends are listening. Oh, no, we don't do any of that. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> he's well media trained up. You've got him good. <laughs> oh, mate, he's, like I said, he's known from the get-go. He's, uh, I think he always knew he'd do having cameras on him. So he's always naturally uh, he's naturally being like that. And he's saying he's glad he ain't doing GCSEs. Again, I got told he's actually very good at school academically. So he's just one of them kids who just kind of picks things up and can just roll with it. So, yeah, he's, he's all right, yeah. No, definitely, this is it. <laughs> when it comes to, like, I don't know, planning your, like, training outside of the gym, because it's, yeah. like, quite full-on, like, all the time, how do you find not burning out with that kind of stuff from a physical point of view? Do you have, I don't know, like, set routine, set workout routines about the week? Or is it, like, a feel day-by-day kind of thing? How do you, I don't know, structure it? Yeah feel day by day thing but I, I give my time to rest like I'm, I've done two I'm doing two training sessions today I've done one this morning and I'm going to do another one uh, tonight after this um, but obviously I've had time to recover during that like from now to then so I've just I, to be honest I just watch TV sit on the sofa then after that I'll go do a workout then relax again and same same again each day but I'd rest at least one day a week uh, just to let my body recover and sometimes especially in the championships I'd have a lot of massages as well just to keep my like uh, muscles and things like that active and not getting too sore. When it comes to the pre-fight kind of build-up and stuff, do you watch a lot of tape? Do you watch a lot of fights themselves? Are you trying to switch off entirely? How do you deal with that kind of? I don't know the the anxieties up up until a fight. Yeah, I'd watch I'd watch uh, like my favourite boxers. So I like Canelo. Um, I like Triple G. I like mm. Lomachenko. Um, so I'd watch a few of my favourite fighters. Um, but to be honest, before the fight, I just listen to music. I I don't get myself too hyped up, but obviously I'm I'm very focused. I'll just be focused on what I have to do and what uh, my coach Ross is telling me to do. And we'll be we normally we work on it in the gym for a few weeks. Uh, with the, sometimes there's videos of the boys unboxing. Like we'll go on Instagram and see what we can find. And when we do eventually find a video, we'll see what their weakness is and just keep training on that in the gym. And with like, your training at the minute, how are you finding staying motivated? Obviously, not having the actual gym itself, not the sparring partners. Are you doing a lot of solo yeah. stuff? Are you trying to like use the time to recover? How are you? I don't make a lot of solo. I'm lucky. I'm, t- I'm lucky to be honest. I got my brother, so me and him can do a bit of sparring in the garden. I ain't really sparring to be honest. It's just us beating each other up for like 30, 40 minutes straight. But um, no it, is hard- <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. They wear one glove each, mate. <laughs> Artem, what's his name? Jefferson, sort of thing. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're like. The bows are his brother Bo's also a good fighter, but they're both game as well. So, but yeah, they wear one glove and then they just go out in the garden. And their mum always sends because we've got a um, an Odyssey boxing club WhatsApp group, and we're constantly getting videos of them to this. It is, it's a view to watch. That's for sure. It gets very dirty, doesn't it? All head butts and my <laughs> brother, he's very dirty with the shoulders and things like that. So you have to get it as good as I get to be honest. Get the elbows out as well. Now that's yeah. a question for you. Would you ever consider fighting in um smaller gloves like you see um? Was it one champion do like kickboxing like the four ounces and stuff? You ever considered doing something like that? Just a bit of fun. I'd love to, I'd love to wear four ounce gloves because I feel like in the twelve ounce gloves you can't really hurt them. Like you can hit them and you can give them standing count, so they're not actually physically hurt because the gloves are quite padded. So I'd love to try four ounce gloves because I think my chin's. I, I rate my chin ain't too bad, so I'd like to see what it, I'd like to see how it comes out and see what it's like hitting someone with four ounce gloves. What about bare knuckle? I'd try, I'd try it, but I'd try it all. <laughs> I'm trying to say, no, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, BKB, there we go. Him versus Artem Lobov. In the, oh, uh, go. There we are. Bare knuckles, very hard, man. 
It's but he's got hard, hard hands for it. Like Louis, I remember him telling me, he was like, yeah, when I was younger, I still do it a bit. I train like, like punch against the walls just constantly. And you should see his knuckles in person. It's ridiculous. It's uh, <laughs> broken down to the bone. Yeah, pretty much. He's just got pure, like, um, what are they called? Like, What's that when it's just bruised all over constantly and it's just kind of like hardened? Yeah, that. He's just got that all over knuckles. So four ounce gloves would be uh, interesting, I could see. Well, this is it as well. Like, how are you finding staying disciplined when it comes to, like, I don't know, the diet and the rest of it outside of like camps or such? Like, I don't know, habits well, and stuff. Do you try and build certain habits with it? Do you just try and make it a diet as such? How do you deal with your nutrition side of things? It's now and then. Like, I'll, I'll keep saying I'm going to start Monday, I'm going to start Monday, and I never actually do. Like, today I've had 20 chicken nuggets. Hey, um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, wait, 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 wait. What sauce? What sauce? A sweet and sour. You can stay in the podcast, it's all right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best sauce, isn't it? You've got to have sweet and sour, no other sauce, especially chicken nuggets. This is where we ask real questions on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, you ready for um, this, really? Post fight food, talk to me. Post fight, uh, <laughs> honestly, anything. I'll eat, I'll eat as much like, I'd, oh, it's whatever I fancy, to be honest with you. So I've got a story for that. So after the national, yeah, so when he won his national title, so we, it was in Oxford. So, um, like I said, big crowd when we all went in like different cars and that. And it was me, our mate, uh, Matt, who trains as well, and Ross's daughter, Georgia. She, we drove up there to watch it. And afterwards we met at, first we met at Bista. So um, he got a little, you know, I won the national, so he got something from Bista Village. And he was, he was munching away there, the cookie dough and all that stuff. Then they stopped at McDonald's, and then we met up at a pub near ours that do decent grub. And again, he was just kind of, like he just absolutely came the food that day. But you know, what was anyone going to say? Even even Ross was like, I can't say anything right now. So we let him have it. But yeah, he's uh, he's known to have him before his munch up, and he's usually got the same pre-fight game. Obviously, he weighs in, and then he usually has the same pre-fight uh, food for his fight as well, which isn't you know, it's a bit. I wouldn't say it's conventional, but uh, it seems oh. to work. What's free I'd, I'd, get, I'd get a meal deal from Tesco's, but then I'd get a boost bar. I'd have some Harry Potter, Harry Potter fast sticks, the sugar ones. I'd just eat. I'd eat whatever I want to be honest with you. I'd, I'd like hydrate myself with quite a bit of water, but I'd, I'd, it'd normally work. It'd normally work. Well, it's worked thirteen times and not worked zero. So yeah. One, I'm going to get in contact with my nutritionist <laughs> to make sure when you stop being you know, 16, you'll, you find out what actually works. And second, yeah. what is your meal deal? This is a really important question. This is controversial. Tesco meal I'll, deal. I'll get a tomato, chicken and tomato basil pasta, beef hula hoops, and I sometimes get, um, oh, you know, like the little, not the milkshakes. Uh, I'm trying to think the of the smoothie things. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, the innocent smoothies. I'll get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's strong. What about you, Dom? Go on, talk to me. I think I'd go BLT, salt and vinegar. And this is my, I prefer Coke Zero to Coke Regular. I think Coke Zero tastes nicer. So I'd go for a Coke Zero or maybe a Lucidate. But, uh, but yeah, always got to be salt and vinegar in the quiz. Salt and vinegar. You got, I tell you what my mum got today was um, those little chipstick things. Oh my God, it's so salty. I love it, man. I love us. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm 12 again, man. I love it. All the MSG is what you want, mate. All your additives. Anyway, back to, you know, boxing, nutrition, and, you know, healthy stuff. Salads and the like. Yeah. <laughs> back to the good stuff. So, again, like, your day-to-day -day kind of food and the rest of it. Like, this is a real sort of tricky area, especially when it comes to growing up still and trying to 
balance weight cutting because the real problem is as you're mm. still 16 you're still growing a lot and you don't yeah. want to affect any of your sort of hormones and the rest of it when it comes to cutting too much weight and trying to put your body in that kind of stress so it's definitely a fine line of i don't know pushing it like when it comes to your weight division who really decides on that is it you or is it your coach we talk between us like he was like didn't get only 63 kilos uh for the competition i missed out on because i, I didn't go in it because it was boxing on the home show so i couldn't go in that but um yeah I, the boys that's under 63 kilos i think i would have wiped out really easily to be honest with you like not being big-headed but i reckon i would i reckon i would easily got to the semi-finals but the boys at under 66 kilos were just huge they're, they're massive and i'm at the bottom of the weight class so it's quite hard for me well this is a good and you, tricky and you got, sorry sir, Dan, to cut you off you got a thing as well so our home show was the 22nd of feb our gym closed what end of march so in that space a month difference from now until when we saw Louis, like I saw him probably about a month ago, and then on our first team session the other day, that's when the coaches saw him again. They were like, "You've gotten so big, like it's just his legs have gotten big." Like you say, it's just, he's just growing up, and it's just. But he's still. I won the coach was trying to give him sticks, saying he was fat. So obviously, too <laughs> lifting his top, I was like, "Fuck off, Dave! Look at me now." He's still ripped, so he's obviously still growing like that. But. But that's what I mean. Like you say he's growing, but you don't want to you don't want to stunt your growth from uh, from too young. And that's it as well. You got a long career ahead of you. There's no point doing it all now. Like you got the rest of your life for horrible weight cuts. Just yeah, exactly. fight your own natural weight and stuff and get stuck in with it. I'd love to do what you do though. Get weighed in the day before because I honestly could get under 63 kilos if I got weighed in the day before. But there's no point doing it and getting like weighed in the same day because I'd be so exhausted. But I'd like to. I reckon boxing should do that to be honest in the amateurs. Get weighed in the day before. But I think uh, there'd be like quite a few people getting hurt. But I suppose it's the same as MMA in it. They wear a lot smaller gloves than us and still do it. So I don't see the pro uh, problems to be honest with you. Because well, we do real fighting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to say it. That's for the MMA fans listening. Shout out. I'm an MMA fan, man. Don't worry. We got, I've got, I've, I work with some MMA guys as well, so I'm a fan as well. Don't worry, <laughs> But it's true. Like, I prefer. <laughs> what does he say? It's a real fight. God, leave Louis alone. He just, you know, it's not about that. What are you bullying for? Nice. <laughs> that's what I mean. With the MMA, I think that's the right mentality to have in terms of getting them fight. Like, I don't see why you don't want to bring the peak out of people. Like you see kids fighting in boxing like at the amateur shows and they're like elite level kids and they're fighting the same day they're weighing in. You can just see they don't look great and a lot of the time and that's why I think a lot of amateur boxing, you see it, it's a lot of just straight shots. It's a lot of just one two because they might have hydrated themselves, they might have eaten something, but mentally, like you know, to create a game plan whilst you're in the ring is very, very tough to do. And that's why Louis done so well because he still sort of had that mental sharpness. But you see a lot of the guys who'd be watching and they'll kind of just step in one, step out, one, two, and it's just like, it's very, well, that's just very Yeah, and it's not even their fault. Like you can see, but then they'll post something on Instagram and they're like hitting pads, they're sparring, they are just, they're on it. But how can you expect someone to cut weight, eat some food, rehydrate, but then have the same mental capacity for a fight? It's very, very tough. That's and so I want to go to that. There you go, that's tank facet. That's when, when I go to like, MMA amateur shows where it's got amateur and pro, like all of them, everyone's their game, everyone's doing their own thing. Obviously, you've got different facets, you've got some jiu jitsu guys, you've got some Muay Thai guys, but no one looks tired, that's all I'll say. I mean, this is something interesting about the MMA world, how that's really developed, is what amateur now is. Because you'll occasionally get the people who want to give a go of it, but most of it you'll see a lot of like promising like pros 
just getting started with professional kind of work right and you'll see a lot of people working i don't know harder than the pros outside of the gym as well because you'll get i don't know you get a higher standard now at amateur mma and this is the well, thing boxing as well like you'll see like like i couldn't even imagine like cutting that much weight and then trying to compete the same day after quote-unquote rehydrating like <laughs> yeah that's with the mma stuff like with amateur mma you don't get paid and if you look back at old old like ufc's like the ultimate fighter first couple of series some of the guys on there wouldn't even do well in the amateur it was just because there was a small pool of fighters so you have guys you know to name a few i'm not gonna name them actually that's out of order but they're like they had ships records and they were that close to the ufc whereas now the amateur game in mma is incredible like you know some of them are ready to go to pro and same with the amateur boxing some of them are you can see they're like these are the ones are going to go pro it's just uh, they have to go through that first hurdle of same day weighing so i i agree i think it should be um day before weigh-ins and with the mck cup you see how many if you went to the MCK, and when you go there though how many times are you gonna potentially fight three yeah three times three days yeah and you have to weigh in each day still yeah weigh in each day they might I'm not too sure. I'd imagine they might let you go 0.5 kilos up each time, but if they don't, is it like to be honest with me now at this weight class, it ain't an issue to be honest. So I can get down to this weight like quite easily. But for boys who are struggling to make weight, I don't think it's fair at all because it's so hard for them to make weight each day because they've obviously once they've been weighed in, they eat their food. Because I, uh, I went to the Harringay Box Cup last year and I was watching the boys who had won their semi-finals and who were boxing the next day in the finals. And they just finished their fight and they'd chuck on a jumper and start skipping as soon as they just fought to get all the uh, lose all the weight again for tomorrow's weigh-in. Now, it'll be an interesting one to sort of see as well because there's a thing in um, amateur MMA called the IMAF, which is basically like the quote-unquote like Olympics, or whatever you want to call it, of um, amateur MMA. Basically, yeah. you wake up, you fight, and then you go back to bed and you fight again the next day, basically same day weigh-in, and then you fight, and then you don't fight four or five days in a row if you keep winning your fights. And yeah. I can't imagine anything worse afterwards, the aftermath of all those fights, all the bumps and the bruises and all the... Oh, God, it sounds horrible. This is why it's fighting so frequently. Oh, that's Bahrain, isn't it? That's the, they did it in Bahrain, so... Yeah, they did it in Bahrain, do it in Rome, oh, everywhere. How would you like that, Luke? Go to Bahrain. Near Dubai. Where's that? No, that is, mate. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> it's in the Middle East, so it's like a lot of desert and it's just incredible. Yeah, love work. that. That'd be the nuts. Yeah, I'd definitely go there. Well, the UFC. I'll tell you what, have you heard what the UFC have done? They've bought wow. a fight island. It's in the Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I see that. I see that on your story. Yeah, so they've bought a place in Abu Dhabi. My brother lives in Dubai and Abu Dhabi's next to it. And I said, is it like a secluded island? And he went, no, it's fucking massive. They just obviously bought a little section of it. But like, people live on that island, so I don't know if the UFC have done over it, but it's not like a secluded island that everyone thought it would be. That's called marketing. That's <laughs> Like they'll buy a little rock, be like, oh, we've bought a whole fight island, but we're not going to fight on it, we'll fight somewhere else. But either way, I mean, <laughs> it's an interesting one. And when it comes to your kind of, I don't know, journey, like living and stuff, how do you find staying consistently motivated? Is there a specific thing you want to keep achieving? Is there another like mountain you want to climb? Because after having these big fights and these titles, do yeah. you ever get like a bit of a, I don't know, post fight blues kind of thing, or is it next on to the next one straight away? Well, there's there's boys there's boys I know who are in this uh, who are in this weight class now who have been in the GB squad and England squad and been out to like Serbia and countries like that. So when I'm training, I just think I'm going to be boxing them, and I just think of the feeling of when I beat them, when I get my hand raised, I think like how good that feeling will be. It just keeps me motivated, and I just keep thinking I'm going to like be boxing them, so it keeps me in a good mindset and keeps me training very like very very hard. Oh, he's got like, these proper answers. 
<laughs> oh, that's kind of no fun. I wanted a bit of like, you know. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Here's a question for you. Do you see your fights as fights or boxing matches? Boxing matches. I'm, I'd say if Dom's seen me box near enough most fights, and I'm definitely more of a boxer than I'm a fighter. I don't mind getting in there and having a tear up. Like I do, I do quite like that. But to be honest, I prefer boxing. Like getting in and out. Don't don't get hit. That is a sport in it. Try not to get hit and hit them back. But yeah, I'm more. I'm definitely more of a boxer than I am a fighter. I mean, that's certainly the sort of attitude to have, especially for longevity. Because as much fun as it is, you know, planting your feet, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, longevity is not you know it doesn't go hand in hand with that as, as a rule and um with your, your training in general how do you find keeping it interesting and mixing it up as well because obviously the thing with boxing is uh sharpening the basics it's sharpening the sort of tools you do in and out day to day how do you find keeping interested with it it is it is really hard to keep interested especially with no gym but i'll just pra i'll practice on little things i follow there's uh, a man on instagram i think his name's i don't know if it's jeffrey something he used to be a professional boxer tony but jeffrey. i thought I look, tony yeah. jeffrey yeah that's it yeah yeah i look at all the, i look at all his instagram videos and like the footwork uh, footwork drills and i just practice to be honest i just practice some of the things that i think i can do better then I'll keep my, I'll try to keep my fitness up because I think that's the, like one of the most important things, especially in boxing and in like MMA fitness. If you're not, you could be boxing a boy who's more naturally talented than you, but if you're fitter and when they start blowing, you apply the pressure, some of them just crumble. And to motivate us when you're in the gym, what Ross is really good at is he's, he's he knows he's got, Ross has got really good connections, so he brings a lot of good uh, good other fighters in for uh, sparring, and we do a lot of travelling to sparring like our club. Ross was sending a message, right, this weekend we've got, or this week we've got, we can go to this place, we can go to Guildford, we can go to Reading, we can go to Kingston, right, and then, you know. You've got to be fit, though, to go to them places and yeah. spa. You're not fit, you'll go, go and get beat up, and exactly. it's nice, so you, there's no point, like, not training and being unfit and going to clubs and getting beat up, do you know what I mean? You want to go there and look sharp, so. Exactly, like, you're going there to spa and you're going there to learn, but at the end of the day, the main thing is you're going to represent, you're going to be part of a boxing club and you don't want to look you know look like a mug yeah now here's a question for you with your sparring how do you tend to spar is it like basically like a fight wearing a head guard or is it like trying to learn as such and how do you find a balance as well because obviously when you're competing versus trying yeah. to replicate the sort of fight stresses how do you find i don't know sparring productively i want to say um, I, I don't mind, but I box with a head guard or without. Like, me and Dom have done loads and loads of rounds without head guards. I, I prefer it personally, but uh, if I'm sparring boys who are like my age and things like that, we'll wear head guards, but it's very fast tempo. And it's like, it is, it is quite, it is like a fight kind of, because both boys are very game and they want to prove a point that one's better than the other, even in sparring. And that's the good thing about our gym as well. Like, down the gym we're at, we've got, there's plenty of boys like around this weight class, 60 to 70 kilos. And the sparring is really, really tough. So it keeps, it keeps me very active. And again, this is all part of the same conversation about fighting and sport and trying to have a longevity and also be efficient with it. Because you'll get a lot of, um, I think uh, John Kavanagh, McGregor's coach, has a saying of um, updating the software without damaging the hardware and that kind of concept of trying to tidy up the basics, trying to tidy up the reactions without taking too much damage. But yeah. often you'll see a lot of gym wars when it comes to boxing, especially. So it's just yeah, yeah. balance, really. Especially Mayweather's gym in at the doghouse. I'd love to. I'd love to go to Mayweather's gym and do that. I'd love that. <laughs> It'd be so sort of surreal if you did. Oh. <laughs> So, Dom, how do you find getting involved in sort of Louis' journey with stuff? How do you find, I don't know, 
drawing the line on certain fights and that kind of thing do you ever feel like you i don't know trying to hold him back for certain things or try and push him too far with other things how do you find that i don't know now for me deal with like for me personally like i said it's all over to to ross and you've got to give him full credit so in terms of that when um as louis gets sort of more known and gets his name out there and stuff even more my main like my main objective is, is to get him the best stuff to secure him financially so that's going to be my main role for me I know, especially in MMA, I know it's a little different. It's really down to the manager to get the job, to get the, uh, to get the fights and stuff. But in boxing, that's the one thing where I think boxing's got it very, very well. Coaches have a massive input in uh, who you fight and where you want to go. Obviously, if there comes an opportunity where when Louis goes pro and you've got, oh, Matt Drew interested or Frank Warren's interested or, you know, whoever else is interested, then that's where something that we'd have to have a discussion and we'd say, look, who do you think is going to be best fit for Lou's career and I would always always like because Ross is my coach as well so I've still got that relationship of coach and uh, and fighter as well so for me it's uh, it's very important that Lou's happy but for me what I really want to do is I want to get him secure because like you say you have a very very short window of opportunity when it comes to any fight game so getting as much money as you possibly can get out there and uh and you know, secure yourself financially. So that'd be my my main objective. Luke. I mean, this is certainly one of those sort of issues. Like I heard about from sort of a few of the boxers I know, and also in the sort of Tyson Fury book as well. Like the, the right promoter, a few of the right opportunities at the right times, and it's a very intricate sort of system, an intricate sort of also quite political at times as well as to where to go and why to go there, this, that, and the other. So talk about yeah. stare down fight management. Where did that come from? So I created that about a year ago, and. How it initially started, to be honest, was I just created, I just loved the uh, fighting and boxing and MMA, and I always knew I wanted to have something to do with it. And I used to say, like, when I was about a teenager, I always used to say, Oh, I'm going to be a promoter, I'm going to be a fight promoter. And people were like, How? I was like, I don't know, but I will. And, um, but I never actually trained or anything. I only started training probably like two, three years ago. And, but then when I actually started training, you actually got to realize who the fighters are and you get to meet them. That's when it started being like, Oh, I could, this is how I can do it. I can actually help people go from there and so initially it started off as just like a meme page and it still is i still got that meme page going and i used to do youtube interviews like you i used to interview the guys and how i'd really do it is, and that's how i got the first sort of few signings i'd interview them i'd build a rapport and then I'd be like oh by the way i deal with a lot of brands if you're interested i can help you out and get you some sponsorship but yeah cool and it kind of just rolled from there and then from that i've managed to work with some uh, really good brands we've got uh we've got some really good athletes as well so kind of just building up like that and um you know we're working with a couple of bigger companies so we work with uh we do the sponsorships for amir amir albazi who is managed by paradigm sports who you know manage gregor hmm. israel adesanya uh, uh wonderboy thompson megan anderson so just to name a few like that so you know we're, we're doing all right we're doing uh we're doing the right things but for me so because it's passion as well i love the sport and you know one day louis was just like we were just sort of chatting and kind of just manifest from there like why don't we work together and uh it's just been working like that ever since i mean that's be quite an interesting concept trying to find that dynamic between being a friend and being like a business partner or such and trying to find those opportunities and also i don't know trying to keep that separate in a sense of if you say you think this is a good idea for what reasons behind it and really keeping that integrity is uh, both lines of stuff because otherwise i don't know 
you oversell Louis, you give him something that's too hard to try and promote him to a certain degree or undersell him and this, that and the other. It's all trying to manage expectations on both sides. It must be a really intri in intricate kind of balancing act almost. It is, but then, like I said, like you just said, Louis kind of's already got that brain and that mindset ready to go. But you also got to remember, he is sixteen years old, and he wants to—he still wants to have a sixteen-year-old life. So, you know, I can get him sponsorships, all right. But if they want sixteen-year-old to be peddling it particularly hard, then uh, do they have the best interest at heart? What they really should brands really should be looking to do right now is like we've got sort of a diamond in the rough right now. We've got sixteen-year-old kid who has this massive potential to go. So why not go in from ground zero and just grow with him? And then, you know, say they start working with Louis now in four years time when he's a pro and, you know, he's undefeated pro and he's knocking on the door for area titles or whatever it is. That's when you then start pushing it even more. So that's kind of the view of it right now is I can talk to brands. Like, Look, I'm happy we can do some work now. If you actually want to be in it long term, then this is the opportunity to do so. Like, you know, Lou's got character, like, he's got his move out of the way, Lou, you see in the background what he's got on his uh, bag. He's got that all over his shorts. He's got everything. Like, he's got that character, and he's got the skills to back it up. So, to be honest, fine, talking to brands, it's pretty easy for me uh, to work with some of the guys. I think certainly when you've got the, the product, sorry, Lou, you're a product now for this conversation topic. When you have the product, <laughs> it's easy to sell from that point onwards. You've got this, okay, 13 and 0, 16, hard working, good work rate, all this kind of stuff, everything you want. And then yeah. the market that's easy. So I guess at that point, yeah. you know, it's more finding the right opportunity for Louis at that point. Now, Louis, you're not a product anymore. That's just for the example. I thought I'd <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> and that's it, man. You know, I work with amateurs and pros, and there's some guys who have got the skill, but they just don't have the marketability. But they're, you know, they're a bit older, and this is the key time for them. So to them pushing it. So it's, it, like I said, it's really finding that balance. And like I said, you'll train, you'll see in the gym, there'll be a guy probably in your gym who. Is not being horrible, hasn't got a lot of personality, pretty keeps himself to himself, but is an yep. absolute avid. And you're like, that guy could be, you know, could be a, an absolute star if he wanted to. But as we all know right now, it's not all about your skill. You've got to have something about you. And that's in every sport. And that's not even necessarily in combat sport. Obviously, combat sport's a little bit different. You've got people like the guy who's got the big confidence and can actually go out there and beat someone up. But in any sport, you need to have that, um, that little bit extra. Well, definitely, that's sort of the business side of it, because you'll get loads of people, especially you'll get the guys who either haven't got the best like, communication skills or like, personality of baked potato, but they've got the fighting like, <laughs> spirit or whatever else. And you need that kind of balance, because as much as you need to train and need to fight to a certain level, if you're not selling tickets, promoters aren't going to want to have you. You could be an absolute world beater, but you're in the prelims until you can sell proper tickets. If you can't sell, you know, <laughs> at least five or six, you're not going to be allowed to fight, let alone get yeah. like, decent opponents. And that's the beauty of amateur boxing as well. I'll give that over. The one thing I think, another thing over amateur boxing, over amateur MMA is with amateur boxing, you're not expected to sell tickets. Like you're expected, and there's loads of shows you can jump on, but we amateur MMA, like obviously you're not getting paid, so it's not as big a deal if you don't sell tickets. But, you know, promoters, it's not a government body, it's a lot of them are just promoters, and they're like, we need you to sell this many tickets, and, and then you're on, or you've got to buy an amount of tickets and resell them. So, that's the beauty of uh, Amateur Boxing. You don't have to worry about that. That's more white-collar stuff. Oh, I thought it was like a universal stand. I feel a bit mugged off now. Yeah, no, that's funny. I mean, um, to be fair, Louis always bring crowd, but now to be in, like, to join amateur shows, because a lot of them, and but with am amateur MMA shows, they're usually in a bit of a nicer location, like a nicer thing. You can get a bit pissed, whereas a lot of the amateur boxing shows that we've been to, like we, the longest journey we did was when we drove to 
First we drove to Louis. Where was it, Louis? We drove to your fight first, and then we drove to Bo's fight after. It was all in one day. Yeah, I, was, I boxed in... I boxed in I Swindon. Think, Swindon, yeah. Then we yeah, had to we drive to Swindon in the morning, and then we had to drive to uh, Hastings and that, that same day to watch his little brother fight. And like I said, we were a family, we all do it. We all chucked in. We all paid for the tickets to get in, but it's not a big deal. But it, was, it was literally within like a little shitty like church hall type thing it was a good laugh and it was a good show but that's what i mean but with an amateur mma show it's all it's about money you've got to do it to spin a profit you must have absolutely spent Lou, after that you had your fight in the middle of fucking nowhere at the best of times in that corner then you're like got your post fight come down fully like whichever third or fourth mil you're at that point stop every <laughs> service on the way down to try and get there in time that's that's exactly what I done. I, I, that was the semi-finals though. That, I boxed a really hard boy that day, and I was ill as well. Like I remember everyone seeing me before, and I, 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 I don't know what I had, but I was so ill. And I boxed in the no. semi, but obviously I couldn't eat too much. But I still made the most of it. I went to we stayed in the hotel, we stayed in the Premier Inn, and we had McDonald's right in front of us. So we had McDonald's, uh, Indian takeaway, and all that. It was lovely. <laughs> yeah, we were at breakfast in the morning. It was a good time. But that's what, and just show how Louis is in terms of. Him and his brother clashed all the time, but he definitely cared because this was Bo's first fight, first ever amateur fight. And we stopped up at services and we were all like, Bo, eat something because he hadn't eaten all day. And he was like, no, 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 I'm worried I'm missing weight. And he was like a kilo from, he was like a kilo under, so there's no way he was missing weight. But he was very, um, you know, he was obviously nervous and that's where Lou came in because uh, he just won his semi-final. But, and that was just a beauty. And that's one of the things about Odyssey is you get people join our box club and they, they're never going to fight in terms of they don't even want to fight. But everyone support him and there's that kind of community feel to it it's like one big family isn't it it is and uh, that's so cliche to say but it truly is like you see the people that come down people that come to support and like the home show it's just absolutely heaving and just people who just even they train a little bit for fun they love it it gets to the stage where our coach ross has to send out a message like look guys please only come to this session if you're carded or want to be carded because people just kept coming down that's what you want. You want that people actually wanting to be there. You want that kind of community side. You want that kind of engagement as well. Because if you're feeling no mates in the corner because no one else shows up because no one wants to train with you, there's a problem, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, that's it, mate. That is actually it. Louis, are you still got to train at seven? Yeah, I, I, I could do five more minutes if you want me to do five more minutes. That's all right. Well, tell yeah, you, no. Let's um, wrap this up, let you guys shoot off. Where can I find you guys on social media? Where can people find you? Go on, do you want me to go first, though? Right, you got the um, I think mine is Louis.Mordowney1. On? Oh, no, that's on Instagram. <laughs> then, I don't, then I don't use uh, Instagram or Facebook. I don't use, sorry, Twitter or Facebook. I, I only use Instagram. Yeah. For me, yeah, so Stare Down Fighting is the business page on Instagram, on Facebook, and everything like that. Uh, at the Stare Down is, uh, at the Stare Down underscore is, uh, if you fancy me, that's on Instagram, Facebook. And then just Tom Haddy on Instagram, on Facebook, on, uh, on pretty much everything, mate. Link to those will be in the description.